0: Hello there. Let's continue with chapter 13. Attitudes towards dying. You are the architect of your life. You build your own philosophy and construct your own attitudes. Without right attitudes, the entire architecture remains shaky. When one starts realizing this fact, then he starts looking within transforming himself and becoming aware of many levels of consciousness. He then finds strength within himself. Inner strength is the source of fulfillment. The sages have proven this fact, but modern man does not understand it. He is still searching and seeking for happiness in the external world. When I was young, I also thought that the source of happiness lay in the external objects of the world. One day, my master sent me to the house of a rich man who was on his deathbed. When I arrived, this rich man said, Sir, give me your blessings. He was immersed in sorrow and full of tears. I asked him, Why are you crying like a poor and helpless child? He answered, I wish I could be a child. Now I realize that I am the poorest and weakest man in the world. All the comforts and riches are at my disposal. But nothing seems to help me. All is vain. I could easily see the effects of inner poverty in that rich man. I have since studied many dying people, including poets, writers, philosophers and political leaders, but always found that they all were miserable on their deathbed. Their clinging to life and their attachment to the objects of the world made them miserable. Those who are aware of the immortality within are free and unattached to the objects of the world. They leave their mental body in a positive state of mind. The literature written on the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu reveals that the room in which he lived vibrated the chant he repeated after his death. I once had such an experience in the city of Kanpur. There is a family of doctors whose mother was a great devotee of the Lord. She was my initiate. Six months before her death, she decided to live in a room by herself, remembering the Lord's name and meditating. After six months, she fell sick and became bedridden. The time of her parting seemed imminent. Her older son, Dr. A.N. Tandon, was very much attached to his mother. He wanted to remain by her side. His mother said, ''I don't want you to be attached to me. Don't sit next to me anymore. I have done my duties towards you. I have to walk all alone during the journey. Your attachment will not help me in any way.'' Ordinarily, dying people become lonely and frightened. A sense of false security grows and they become deeply attached to their children and things they possess. But this woman was constantly at peace, completely absorbed in the name of the Lord. She said to her sons, I am in great joy. Your attachment towards me has no power to hold me on this mortal plane. Her son started weeping bitterly. He said, Mother, I love you immensely. Don't you still love me? What has happened to my dear mother? She replied, That which was expected to happen has already happened. I am a free soul now, in great joy. I am a wave of bliss in the ocean of the universe. I am free from all fears and anxieties. You are still attached to my mortal body. But I have now known that the body is just a shell. Do you call it mother? I was present there. She wouldn't allow anyone to sit in the room but me. Five minutes before her death, she smilingly whispered in my ear, These people think that I have lost my mind, but they do not know how much I have gained. Then she asked me to call all the family members. She raised her hand and blessed them and then left for her heavenly abode. After her death, the walls of that room in which she lived vibrated with the sound of her mantra. Anyone who came would feel the sound being vibrated from those walls. Someone informed me the walls of that house were still radiating her mantra. I could not believe it. So I visited the house and I discovered that the sound of her mantra was still vibrating there. Mantra is a syllable or word or a set of words. When consciously someone remembers his mantra, it automatically is stored in the conscious mind. Through ordinarily, one does not remain aware of this fact. During the day of parting, when the mind is failing and stops functioning, attached Attachment towards body and other positions of the world makes one horribly lonely and miserable. During such a period, that which one has stored there in the unconscious mind becomes one's guide. This period of separation is painful to the ignorant. This is not the case with a spiritual person who has remembered his mantra faithfully. The mantra guides him through his period of transition, which is frightening to the ignorant. Death is not painful, but fear of death is very painful. The mantra is a powerful support and guide which leads the dying person peacefully through that unknown period of darkness. Mantra then becomes a torch bearer when one goes through the corridor that exists between death and and birth. Constantly being aware of the mantra with complete faith is one of the surest moments. All the spiritual traditions of the world use this method. A purified and trained mind with the help of mantra awareness dispels the darkness during the period of transition. Mantra is a rare friend indeed, which helps one whenever it is needed, both here and hereafter. By remembering the mantra constantly, the aspirant creates deep grooves in the unconscious and then the mind flows spontaneously in those grooves. Mantra is a spiritual guide which dispels the fear of death and leads one fearlessly to the other shore of life. It is an accepted fact to yogis that the body is like a garment. They believe that when the garment is no longer useful, it can be cast off consciously without any fear or or misery. This way of casting off the body is not unusual for them. I was fortunate to have witnessed such a case during the Kumbha Mela at Allahabad. Kumbha Mela is a festival of sages which is celebrated every 12 years. Many sages and learned people assemble on the holy banks of the Ganges to share their experiences and knowledge with all those who attend. This festival lasts for a month. All religious people of India like to enjoy the spiritual gathering. During this time, I was staying in a garden house situated on the bank of the Holy Ganges. Early one morning at about 3 o'clock, I was informed that Vinay Maharaj had decided to cast off his body punctually at 4.30. This Swami was a student of my master. I immediately rushed to the hut where he was staying. There he talked to me for half an hour, discussing the higher practices of Yoga Vedanta. There were six other swamis sitting around him. Exactly at 4.30, after explaining the technique of voluntarily casting off the body, he bade goodbye to us, saying, God bless you. We'll meet on the other side. Then he was silent. He closed his eyes and became still. We all heard the sound tick come from his skull. This was the sound of cracking the skull. This process is called casting of the body through Brahmarandra. We later immersed his body in the Ganges. There have been many such occasions when i witnessed a yogi casting off the body consciously modern man knows how to eat talk wear clothes live in society he also knows how to prepare the expectant mother to give a safe birth and has discovered the painless method of labor but Modern man has not yet learned the techniques of casting off the body voluntarily and joyfully. During the time of death, he becomes miserable and experiences many psychological pains. Our modern society, though highly evolved technologically, is still ignorant of the many mysteries of life and death. Modern man has not yet discovered the resources which are already within him. Death is a habit of the body, a necessary change. The dying man should be educated psychologically for this moment. This inevitable change called death is itself not painful, but the fear of death creates miseries for the dying man. There are many aspects of education imparted to modern man for his success in the world, but no one imparts the knowledge which gives him freedom from the fear of death. It is essential for human beings to find out the way of comforting the dying. Isn't it interesting? I love the way how they explained. Like, you know, uh, when the garment is no longer useful, you can cast it off and you don't need not be fearful of the death. So, it was a good take, take away for me from this chapter. Let's continue. The techniques of casting off the body. I, along with two friends, started a journey from Gangotri to Badrinath. It was July, the traveling season of the clouds. We took a narrow zigzag footpath, an unusual route which was known by only a few yogis and sages. It took four days to travel the 25 miles on foot from Gangotri to Badrinath using this route while it would have taken many more days using the much longer ordinary route. As we passed through the snow-blanketed peaks at 12,000 feet nature, though it seemed to be cruel, give, gave us a vision of the beauty of the Himalayas which I had not seen before. We halted for the night nine miles from Gangotri On the other side of the Ganges, from this place, lies Bojabasa, where grow the trees whose bark is used for writing the scriptures. The next morning, before we started going towards Gomuk, the sources of the Ganges, in an attempt to cross the mountain to Badrinath through this unusual and unknown route, a young Swami from Madras, who lived on the other side of the Ganges, met us. His language was Tamil, which is spoken in the southern states of India. He could communicate with us only in broken Hindi. He had studied for several days with Swami Maji, a very learned scholar and austere person of the Himalayas. The four of us continued our journey to Gomuk at the foot of the mountain glaciers from where the Ganges flows. We had a small tent a few biscuits and some popped corns. At Gomuk we met a Swami called Hans, Hansi ji and he joined us. Beyond this point no yogi or Swami lives. Hansiji lived there every summer. He had been a naval officer. He became disgusted with his sailor's life and had gone in search of the yogis and sages of the Himalayas. As a young man of 35 years, he accepted the life of renunciation and was known in this area for his calm, gentle and loving nature. The next day, we bade goodbye to Hansi Ji, who was actually not in favor of our adventurous expedition to Badrinath through this unknown route. We camped at the height of 16,000 feet that day and the next day at the height of 18,000 feet. Travelling became more difficult without any respiratory equipment because the air is thinner at higher elevations. The three days we travelled were like walking on the space just above the roof of the world. From where you can see the clean blue sky with twinkling stars hung high on the pillars of glory. Our tent was very small, And with the help of our warm clothing and body heat radiation, we passed this crucial night breathing shallowly in the cold, wind, and snow. At midnight, the young Swami who had joined us on the way made a decision to cast off his body there, high in the Himalayas. He did not do this out of frustration, but Perhaps because he knew that his time in the world was over. In deep snows, if one gradually removes his clothing, a time comes when the whole body becomes painless and insensitive. It is true that in the deep snow of the high Himalayan mountains, one becomes numb and insensitive. I collected this evidence from various scriptures, sages and even books written by westerners who go to the Himalayas for peak hunting. But the yoga way of casting off the body is done through a proper technique. Letting oneself freeze while in Samadhi is a traditional way of dying for a particular sect of Himalayan yogis. It is called hima Samadhi. The word Samadhi is frequently used by Patanjali's system of yoga for the highest state of tranquility. But according to the Himalayan custom, the various methods which are used for consciously casting off the body are also called Samadhi. Among themselves, yogis and sages usually use this word in the sense of, He has taken Mahasamadhi meaning he has cast off his body. We did not want to leave this young Swami there all alone and tried to persuade him to come with us. But for lack of the knowledge of Tamil, we could not communicate and convince him. We were with him until 10 o'clock in the morning, but our advice and persuasion would not work. He had already made the decision voluntarily leave his body in the land of the Devas. So leaving him behind, we went ahead and reached Badrinath after two days. Yudhishthira, a prominent character of the Mahabharata, also went to the Himalayas during his last days. He told his wife that he was going to meet the gods and then go on to his final abode. We parted at the shrine and I went to my mountain home." This way of casting of the body is one of the ways which many ancients accepted willingly, but there are various other ways of doing this. One is called Jel Samadhi and is done inside the deep waters of the rivers of the Himalayas by retaining the breath. Stal Samadhi is done by sitting in an accomplished posture and consciously opening the fontanel. The techniques of dying which are used by yogis are very methodical, painless and conscious. This is unusual in the Western world, but not in the Himalayas. It is not like committing suicide, but is an exact process or way of leaving, that body which is no longer an instrument for enlightenment. Such a body is considered to be a burden, an obstacle which might obstruct the journey of the dying man when he goes through his vast unconscious reservoir of memories. Only those who are not competent in higher techniques and non-self-reliant on their yoga willpower and control accept the normal methods of dying, which are definitely inferior to the yoga methods. There is another way, very rare way of casting the body. By meditating on the solar plexus, The actual internal flame of fire burns the body in a fraction of a second, and everything is reduced to ashes. This knowledge was imparted by Yama, the king of death, to his beloved disciple Nachiketa in the Kato Upanishad. All over the world, instances of spontaneous combustion are often heard about, and People wonder about such occurrences. But the ancient scriptures such as Mahakala Nidhi explain this method systematically. Birth and death are two events in life which are considered to be very minor according to the yogis and sages of the Himalayas. Modern men tried their best to discover the mystery of birth. They did so and can now prepare for for that pleasurable event. But for lack of a real philosophy behind life, they do not understand or know the techniques of dying and thus cannot prepare themselves. For a yogi, death is a habit of the body and a change like other changes that occur in the process of growth. Modern men could receive this training and then there would be less misery in old age when they find themselves completely isolated and ignored by the rest of society. I wonder why modern men do not explore other dimensions, ways and methods of gaining freedom from that fear which is called death. The Western world, in spite of having enough literature on this subject, is still still looking for a solution. Nonetheless, people have now started talking to the general public on this subject, but no book explains the techniques of dying. Yoga literature and practices, which are neither religious nor cultural, could be verified scientifically and then used to comfort dying. And suffering people. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening.